Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we sit down with the Chancellor of the California Community Colleges. Sonia Christian has big goals for the higher education system that serves nearly 2 million students across the state, including how to address declining enrollment and help students already enrolled complete their degrees. Are you or have you been a community college student? What has it done for you? Or are you like many students who left at the height of the pandemic? What would help you re-enroll? We want to hear from you and take your questions for Community College's Chancellor, Sonia Christian. Join us. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. California's community colleges play an outsized role here. Some 60% of the state's undergrads attend community colleges, well above the national average. And the new chancellor, Sonia Christian, wants to see a lot more students attending one of the 116 schools across the system, the largest and most diverse in the country. Because enrollment has fallen and remains below pre-pandemic levels, and many students have found it difficult to transfer to a Cal State or UC or to complete their degrees. Have you attended a California community college? What would you like to share about your experience or to ask Chancellor Christian, the system's 11th permanent chancellor and first woman? Dr. Sonia Christian joins me now. Welcome to Forum, Chancellor. Well, happy to be here. Super thrilled to be here on your program (laughs) and to be talking about California community colleges. Yeah, We're thrilled to have you. I'd love, though, just to learn a little bit about your background, because you've said that growing up in Kerala, India, being South Asian American, that they've informed the values and perspectives that you bring to the community college system. And I was just curious how so. Yeah, I um, grew up in the southern tip of India, coastal community, little town of Kwailon in Kerala, Came here to go to grad school, did USCN, UCLA, here in California, and really discovered the California Community Colleges. It was a foreign concept. And I always, in in whatever forum I've been at uh, after that exposure, I always have described the community colleges as a uniquely American invention. I mean, imagine open access, right? I mean, anyone at any time can decide to go to college. And here in California, the answer is yes, because you will be accepted into the California community colleges. Um, In terms of my experience growing up, you know, I mean, the whole recent uh, focus on climate, whether it's our governor here in California or President Biden, And our vision 2030 for the California Community Colleges, we are certainly 
um, sort of putting it out there that community colleges are going to play a critical role in the climate discussion. And I think uh, the reason I've been personally committed to this agenda is because of, you know, growing up and having a sensitivity of, you know, being respectful of the planet and taking care of our planet for our future generations. Also, the idea of sort of, you know, celebrating cultures. I remember my grandmother on my dad's side and my nana on my mom's side who would, you know, the storytelling and music and and the arts, you know, sort of coming together and in really recognizing sort of the whole human being and and the touch of the sense of belonging that our students need to feel in our college campuses and in universities is a criti- critical aspect of what um, sort of I bring to the discussions in my current role. Hmm. I'm curious about you saying that you see the California Community Colleges as playing a role in the climate discussion. How so? What role do you see it playing? I mean, climate action is everywhere. I mean, if we come at it from an industry sector perspective, for example, uh, agriculture. I mean, the Central Valley is changing in the kind of workforce that is needed to engage with the evolving technological landscape uh, that is much more climate sensitive. Um, When we're looking at precision agricultural technologies being utilized, in uh, in California that is you know has been struggling with with drought conditions that's just one example when you look at our coastal communities uh, offshore winds uh, we've got the whole lithium uh, production um, more in in the lithium valley yeah. so when you look at the workforce arena where our one of our primary missions is to be looking ahead and anticipating what the workforce needs are going to be so that we are ready, not after it happens, but before it happens, to start looking at what our curricular shifts need to be to create that that workforce as that demand starts growing. Uh, There is also an an equity uh, imperative here with um, some of our communities looking at transitions um, you you may know, Amina, that uh, prior to taking on the role as uh, state chancellor, I was at the Kern Community College District. Yeah. And, you know, uh, part of the work for the community colleges there was to be really connected with our communities and the workforce to make sure that as we were going through transitions in energy, uh, what would that look like and, and start, you know, working with our faculty and and making those connections and having those available. Uh, and there are various other aspects, and I'll give you one more example and then punt it back to you. Um, when, for example, California is dotted with not only the 116 community colleges, but also the centers. So when you look at you know, Bakersfield College, there's a center in Delano. So the, the connectedness with communities is, it's very intimate with community colleges. So when there is a disaster that happens with the wildfires in Northern California or the floods that we recently experienced in Central California, where does the community go? It goes to its community college. You know, the gymnasiums are opened up to provide shelter to communities. The cafeterias are opened up to provide food. So with a climate agenda, one of the big 
ideas that we are putting out there is we need to utilize our community college centers to become resilient centers in emergencies. And so we should build out microgrids. I mean, imagine lighting up all of California with this alternative method with having microgrids. So that would include a power source plus battery storage at the community college. And so if there is an emergency and there is a power outage, you know, the community colleges can still continue uh, supporting our communities while those microgrid centers are laboratories for our students to learn the new technologies. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Sonia Christian, who became chancellor of the California Community Colleges this past year in June. And, um, well, Dr. Christian, you were talking about just one of the things, sort of the magic of the California Community College system is it is its accessibility. Could you give us a snapshot of the students who typically attend? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when the higher education master plan was designed in 1960s with Dorothy Donahoe and signed in by then Governor uh, Pat Brown, um, you know, this, uh, inter- this segmental structure of community colleges being the affordable answer uh, to college and uh, anyone, 100% of Californians, you know, will be accepted. There's no saying no. There's no saying, okay, well, you have to pass a certain threshold. No, you want to go to college. Um, you know, we, we are here uh, for you. Um, so uh, students at that time came to the community college primarily Uh, for two reasons. One is uh, what we call workforce preparation. So you want to be a nurse, go to your local community college. And that way you can get a job, uh, a living wage job right away, support your uh, your family. And also we like our healthcare workers to represent the communities they serve. So that local community college is an answer uh, to those who are uh, place bound. The other mission that uh, students came to the community college was to get a baccalaureate degree. And the way we did it was through the mechanism of transferring students. So you finish your associate's degree and then you then you transfer into the CSU, the UCs, or our independent uh, colleges. Uh, since then, you know, uh, times have changed the need for post-secondary credentials for jobs that are much more... Uh, utilizing technology as advanced with with a huge um with a huge goal that the governor has set for California 70% of Californians need to have a post secondary uh, credential by the year 2030 right. so there's been an evolution to the community college baccalaureate for example that was passed AB 927 so you have those students who are place-bound, looking for the baccalaureate degree, now being able to do it at their local community college. Now, since then, you know, the role of community colleges have uh, expanded um, significantly, and community colleges have become much more able to customize how we deliver education uh, to the students that we need to serve. So you see an increase in Uh, dual enrollment with students in high school now saying, hey, I can take care of a few of my college classes while in high school. So you see a growth of dual enrollment happening. 
You see a, a growth in community colleges now going into our prison education system with several pieces of legislation that have passed in the last eight years. Um, so we, we see community colleges offering uh, certificate programs and associate degree programs within within the community colleges. So I'll wrap up saying that 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 student that we would have described in the 1960s and in the 1970s is now really expanding that that profile of the student has been shifting over the last few decades. Uh, primarily because of the creativity and responsiveness of the community colleges to respond to not only the communities they serve, but also being in tune with industry as industry evolves with the new technological innovations. Yeah, you're right. The role of community college, the community college system is growing, it's changing. And we're talking with Sonia Christian, the 11th permanent chancellor of the California community college system about that. And you, our listeners, are sharing your experiences of your community college education, what you gained, or maybe what were some of the obstacles to your ability to be able to complete your degree or transfer the way that you had hoped? What kinds of questions do you have for Sonia Christian? You can join us at 866-733-6786. You can an email forum at kqed.org or post on our social channels at KQED Forum. Noel writes, I'm an alum of Santa Barbara City College before I transferred to Cal. Later in my life, I wanted to study medical records technology, so went to Chabot College for that degree. Community colleges don't get the love they deserve in the world of higher education. We'll have more after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. California's community colleges are the largest higher education system in the country, serving nearly 2 million students across 116 campuses. And we're talking with Sonia Christian, Chancellor of the California Community Colleges, who has big plans for the system. And you, our listeners, are sharing your experiences. This listener writes, I am a registered nurse thanks to a community college. Its rate of passing state board exams exceeded that of four-year colleges over 30 years ago. Thanks to that community college, I never had to worry about finding a job since a nurse can always find work. It may not necessarily be your dream job, but you won't 
go hungry. Chancellor Christian, before the break, you mentioned California's ambitious goal of wanting 70% of working age people to have that post-secondary education by 2030. And it does feel ambitious, especially in light of declining enrollment. And this is something that you have called a crisis situation. Tell us why you think that's happening, why enrollment is declining. Well, let me start with by sharing some great news uh, here. Um, so our community colleges data for last year has come in, and we are definitely on an uptick with yes. enrollments that declined uh, during the pandemic. Those were difficult times across the nation with particularly our students. Our students are, you know, working adults taking care of their families. We've got single parents. And with the pandemic and the responsibilities and the difficulties, we saw a significant drop in, in enrollments. We went from approximately 2.1 million to about 1.8 million. But this last year, we've seen a recovery of 5% over the previous year. So at this point, we're about 1.9 million. And talking to the presidents and uh, chancellors across the California community colleges, we are anticipating double-digit enrollment growth. So hopefully uh, by the end of the year 2023-24, we should be at levels, um, the pre-pandemic levels or even exceed the pre-pandemic levels. It is really not, um, you know, difficult to note that um, the pandemic was a crisis situation, whether it was mental health issues, taking care of loved ones who were, um, you know, suffering from the virus, uh, family members passing away. So uh, higher education as a whole saw a decline in enrollments. However, the reason I think community colleges are rebounding so fast and rebounding with equity uh, from those very difficult times is because the community colleges are very, very connected with their communities. So being able to shift providing the support services virtually, being able to really recognize what kind of um, scheduling need to be offered to meet the new needs of individuals with the new responsibilities they were trying to juggle was something that I think was, you know, uh, you, Mina, used the word magic of community colleges. And I love that you used the word <laughs> because I I feel it is um, honestly sometimes when things happen, wow, you know, it's, it is something that happens because it's there's that connectedness that creates that in intrinsic response that is so embedded within within our community colleges. Um, there has also been very much of customization that has been happening with our colleges. You know, I talked about uh, populations. We're taking college to these populations, taking college to the high schools, taking college. Uh, to our justice-involved individuals, taking colleges to our low-income workers. You will see in Vision 2030, uh, we talk about, yeah, we are open access, but let's re-examine what access means. You know, we are about 2 million in strength, but what about the 6.8 million who have a high school diploma but no college credential? If we are truly an open access uh, uh, institution, with equity, what can we do to take college to them? So there's a massive amount of redesign that is happening 
primarily with how we schedule our courses, utilizing non-credit instruction as a gentle step for working adults to get engaged with college as a start to a pathway. Mm. We're also looking at this big idea called credit for prior learning that has always been in place in small boutique areas, but we have not been able to scale it up. So we are we are tackling some systems reforms related to recognizing learning that happens outside of the traditional classroom. So I'll punt it back to you. So, so when you say credit, you mean that um, if you have relevant skills that you can show, they can be applied toward the degree or can earn a degree yeah. or be used as course credit and so on. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And we did, we were able to to really work through some of the operational details with our veterans, our student veterans who've been returning because they have so much experience out in the military. And uh, there is a catalog called the ACE, A-C-E, American Council on Education catalog that has recognized jobs in the military and then mapping those jobs, translating it to courses within the community colleges. Mm -hmm. So we've already started experimenting with how do we recognize. So, okay, you've, you've had this experience, can you then get credit for about four or five courses within the California community colleges? Now we are taking that concept and we're expanding it to other areas where there are working adults and, and trying to develop that comprehensive catalog so we can go to a working adult and t- have them understand, you know, they can start college already with some credits recognized and get yes. a head start in completing that degree. Well, let me go to some calls. And I understand Dr. Hall, I believe, of Fresno City College is on the line. Dr. Hall, join us. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Good morning, Dr. Kristen. How are you? Doing really well. Uh, Always love to hear someone from Fresno City, the oldest community college, right? That's right. <laughs> the oldest and the first. Um, I have a question about Central Valley. Um, as you know, being from this area, Central Valley is quite unique, but also has a high poverty rate. And we saw this increase um, and and saw it exacerbated during the pandemic and post-pandemic. So can you share how Vision 2030 will be used to address address wealth and equity gaps and promote Mm. economic equality within our Central Valley, particularly for our historically marginalized populations? Dr. Hall, thank you. Absolutely. This is fantastic. And I want to start by saying the Central Valley is doing wonderful programming to address uh, low-income adults and provide them opportunities to start on a pathway to a career that could pay living wage, uh, you know, jobs that are living wage, family wage. Um, So let me start with that. The Central Valley Higher Education Consortium, for example, is doing you know, remarkable collaborative effort to move to move this this agenda. Vision 2030 is all about economic mobility and building the middle class. Um, So, for example, we are looking at restructuring some of the systems in which non-credit on-ramps can be created easily by colleges to take it out to 
you know, our farming communities and provide those opportunities rather than the traditional 16-week courses, you know, provided on campus, really providing support and incentives for community colleges to be able to have shorter-term classes provided in context for um, English as a second language learners and taking it out uh, to the communities. Now, there are some great examples that are already happening in the Central Valley, including Fresno City College. What the Chancellor's Office in Vision 2030 is hoping to accomplish is setting it up systematically, setting up systems, building systems, and changing policies to provide the flexibility that the colleges need to make this a reality. There are some college presidents who are doing things, though, to really address what is stark poverty, especially situations for students like, for example, at at Long Beach City College, they have the safe parking site there for students who are living out of their cars. And that president would like to see meals provided and so on by the system. There's also childcare being offered at some community colleges. Do you see that as the direction that community colleges should be going in to provide those kinds of social services? Basic needs are absolutely a fundamental issue that we must address in order to support our students to engage with the learning process. And the way that we are tackling it in Vision 2030 is is twofold. One is we are using our primary student support services on our college campuses to integrate those support services like our EOPNS program, we have a DSPS program, we have um, programs like uh, Mesa, Puente, Emoja that provide support services very customized to uh, student populations. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, we are creating partnerships with agencies that provide social safety nets so that we can maximize the resources rather than reinventing the wheel. Community colleges now are creating a basic needs coordinator on their college campuses so that we can create those connections through the county agencies and other agencies to leverage those other social safety nets so that the student can now have housing, their food insecurities taken care of, and they can then engage with the learning process. I'll add one more quick piece. We're also really looking at the learn and earn model as as a um, to do it at scale because many of these populations of, cannot go and be a student full time. So how do we in our curriculum and our programming create the ability for work-based learning so so students can learn and earn at the same time? So those are the kinds of uh, support structures that we are building to make it possible for that student to get that certificate or degree. Well, this is Robert writes, does Chancellor Christian support Bernie Sanders' long campaign for free higher public education, including community colleges? Dr. Christian, it's about $550 a semester if you are taking a full course load, like 12 units at community colleges. Is that, is that the average cost? Yeah, it's $46 per unit. And then you have, you know, the cost of textbooks and, and so on. And yes, I do believe that um, cost should not be a, a barrier to, to a student getting an education. And we have uh, the California uh, 
promise grant program that if um, you have needs, we have those programs that can that can take care of student needs. We are also focused in Vision 2030 to leverage and draw down the federal Pell Grant. What we have realized is that uh, California community college students have not tapped into the Pell Grants that are available to them. About um, 55 to 60% of our students who are in need utilize the Pell Grant. So we are on a huge campaign to make sure that 100% of our students who qualify for Pell Grants, that we support them in getting those Pell Grants and drawing down on those Pell Grants. So with, with the kind of grants that we have and other support structures, a student who wants to go to college, that cost should not be a prohibiting factor. Well, let me go next to caller Lane in San Francisco. Lane, you're on. Join us. Hi there. Um, I have been attending community colleges since I was um, in high school. I attended a community college class my senior year of high school and then went on to attend four more different community colleges um, uh, over the last 10 years before finally deciding um, to transfer. And um, one of the things about transferring, I love community college. I love all of the um, the, the community aspect that I experienced uh, in all of the colleges I attended. But a, a disheartening aspect is the the rapid rise of cost when it comes to transferring. And it was a barrier for me to transfer, not being able to, um, you know, complete my degree at a community college and pay that cost. And I'm wondering what you think about um how to help students who are in the community college system um, kind of deal with, with, you know, the difference of tuition once you transfer and also how those, those tuitions at at least uh, Cal State public schools are, are going up. Hmm. Thanks, Lane. Your thoughts, Dr. Um, Christian? Yeah, I think, th- thank you for that, that question. And there is so, so much in there to unpack. Let me start with, with transfer. Um, uh, we have done a good job in some ways with transfer, and there's so much more. There's so much more work uh, to be done. Just to give you a data point, the associate degree for transfer was, you know, legislated some time ago. And since 2017, we have been able to increase the number of students completing the associate degree for transfer by 46%. But when you look at the throughput of students then having to apply, complete an application, you see a drop off in the numbers. And then after they apply, the third step in the process is getting admitted into the CSU. And then once they're admitted, the fourth step is the students enrolling. So in that four-step process, we end up losing a lot of students. And so there is, we envision 2030, we are really focused on trying to get data and information flowing directly into our CSU, UCs, and independents. So when a student finishes an ADT by legislation, they should automatically be receiving a letter saying, hey, you've done with your ADT, welcome to the CSU, and then start the process of that proactive communication. So I wanted to make a note of, on that. And then the second piece that you talked about is, again, the affordability in transferring. And I want to put a plug in for a huge initiative that we've been uh, 
moving called the I Can Go to College campaign that has a lot of resources for students, including, you know, financial aid information. And to to the point that Lane was raising, um, you know, with we need to do the community colleges, we need to step up our game in really creating that package of support for students as they're transitioning from the community college to the CSU so that their needs are met with the package of support that is brought to the student, whether it is financial support or other resources. And I've heard this question being brought up by uh, several students who have gone through the transfer process. And I think we can we can do a, a better job with that. It's on our radar um, to increase that collaboration yeah. with the CSU to provide a proactive uh, information to the students uh, for the support that they need to receive. Do you have the resources you need for that? I know one could always use more, but there is, there are pretty significant funding disparities between the community colleges and the state's four-year state college system, you know, from money from the state. So should it be granting community colleges more money per student, do you think? Well, you you bring up another major priority for uh, the chancellor's office and our board of governors, and that is Cal Grant. Um, Right now, there is a difference in a student who's in a four-year university, uh, the the amount of support in terms of dollars they can get from a four-year university as opposed to the community college. And we have been advocating... in order to be able to close that gap and be uh, have parity uh, with our uh, sister institutions, our four-year sister institutions. We will continue to advocate for it. We think it's absolutely uh, an equity um, an equity fix. Um, so yes, it, it is a need and we need to lift our voices and we need to make sure that that gap gets closed with with the Cal Grant reform. We're talking with Chancellor of the California Community Colleges. Sonia Christian took the role in June, the 11th permanent chancellor of the California Community Colleges. More with her and with you after the break. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? you left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about California's community colleges with Chancellor Sonia Christian. And with you, our listeners, David writes, my ex-wife and I went to a community college in the Chicago area. That's where we met because I'm a veteran in a 
got good grades. It cost me basically nothing. In 2015, our daughter was disappointed that she didn't get into UC Davis out of high school, but she did transfer there two years later from Lake Tahoe Community College, where both her mom and I used to teach. Yes, we both became community college teachers. My ex is now a dean at a community college southeast of here, and my daughter is now in her third year of veterinary school and loving it. It's a great system. Another listener writes, After high school, I felt totally lost. I was smart, but due to undiagnosed dyslexia, I didn't feel I was college material. Valley Junior College was in reach in location and financially $6 per semester back then. Upon finishing my two years, I was able to transfer to UCLA to complete my BA. Ultimately, with fire in my belly, I felt my goal of a PhD in psychology was in reach. If it wasn't for the community college, I would not have been able to reach the hundreds of Vietnam veterans to help them with their PTSD. Since then, I have treated many from couples, individuals with trauma disorders, those losing sight from visual diseases and other traumas. I owe my entire career to the community college system. You can share your reflections of what you gain from your community college system, your questions about it, your critiques at 866-733-6786, email address forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord. We're at KQED Forum. Tony writes, as an adult who already has a college degree, I've always found it difficult to take a single class at a college. I have to fill out a number of questionnaires that have nothing to do with my taking classes, such as what my career is going to be, my major, etc. Is there some way to streamline the ability just to take a single class here and there? Hmm. Sonia Christian? So is that the question for me? Yeah, wondering if there is some way to... Uh, (laughs) I I don't know if you get that granular, but uh, in terms of the ease of being able to sign up for classes or just to meet the needs, I guess, of a a certain population of students who aren't necessarily going there to, to get a degree. Right. And, you know, it's called CCC Apply. That's the tool we use. And there are, you know, tons of questions. I completely empathize with that question and that frustration. And yes, we are going to be replacing that tool and making it much more user-friendly so that depending on what the future student might want, the tool will adapt uh, to creating the information that they would need to respond to. So stay tuned that the, the application tool is going to be revised. And thank you for that question. (laughs) <laughs> Let me go to Brian and Davis. Hi, Brian, you're on. Yes, can you hear me? I can, go right ahead. Okay, great. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I, over the last about eight years, have had the great opportunity to interview probably close to 200 community college students uh, as part of a project that looks at um uh, career opportunities for community college. My essential question is, through that uh, interview process, I realize that there is a really entrenched mindset with high school counselors that community college represents sort of a less than opportunity as compared to four-year college. And yet my experience in interviewing these students was the exact opposite um, in fact, I, I realized that I also had that bias until I had that opportunity to meet some incredible students. What is being done to try and flip that narrative for uh, high school counselors to understand how valuable community college is and that it's not a less than decision? Brian, thanks. 
Yeah, no, thank thank you, Brian. You know, great question. Um, this this is an issue that you know all of our colleges are through the dual enrollment early college program. You know, developing that relationship with the high school counselors. Uh, I know that there is much more um, opportunities for even faculty in disciplines to meet with uh, high school teachers and counselors in in developing these communities of practice and all of those very intentional um, opportunities to connect community college folks with high school folks so that they really understand uh, the quality and the the value of the local community colleges. Um, it is not a one and done uh, kind of an approach. It is an ongoing approach, ongoing conversations. I've been, I've been happy to see in in my travels um, across the state these last few months visiting with community colleges that the relationship with the high schools has become a priority right from the level of, you know, the president and chancellor uh, to administrators, to classified staff and to faculty. So my impression is that that line and 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 sense, you know, that a university might provide a superior education, I think will is getting mitigated and will get mitigated more so in the future because of the exposure to community college folks. Well, Brian, thanks for that question and point and for sharing your experience. Uh, let me go next to caller Indy in Bakersfield. Hi, Indy, you're on. Hi, thank you so much for the opportunity to join. Hi, Chancellor Christian. Um, so good to hear your voice. Um, I happen to be a college administrator because of the community college system. And so I'm excited to be in this conversation with you all today. So my question for so sorry, my question for you is how do you plan to engage special population adult learners? Um, specifically, a lot of our work has focused on um, the homeless population or our farm workers through a program like Project Higher Up, which is homeless to jobs. Um, so again, how do you plan to re-engage with these special populations? And then also, second, the employers who could hire these types of students. Indy, thank you. Yeah, th- thanks so much for the question. And, and thank you, Andy, for your innovative work with um, partnerships to bring college to very, very vulnerable uh, populations. So the work being done by colleges like Bakersfield College, uh, going out to the homeless population, creating partnerships with the local hospitals, you know, the work that is happening at, uh, you know, uh, Madeira, Fresno City, uh, with the farm worker population, we are attempting to scale it up statewide um, through our Vision 2030 in what we're calling, you know, taking college to uh, low-income workers and providing the opportunity to get the next credential. Uh, Right now, we have a project that was approved by our Board of Governors to partner with the United Domestic Workers. Um, It's an organization that represents over 170,000 domestic workers across the state of California. And the same model that you talked about, that is 
creating relationship with um, with industry, business and industry, and then connecting with this population so that we bring in internships and a potential job at the end of the training that they go through that same model. We are scaling it up with the United Domestic Workers. We have just also started a conversation with the United Healthcare Workers as well. So I would say that if we were to identify uh, an element of Vision 2030, which I call not just cutting edge, but bleeding edge innovation, it is this work. How do we create the infrastructure for community colleges to systematically and systemically be able to bring college to these underserved populations? I am optimistic. It is complicated because we don't have an infrastructure yet in place that we could build on. And there is no model. You know, we've been doing a literature review in other states, but we there is no statewide model. What we have are good examples of local community colleges that we are using as the foundation to build this larger uh, statewide reform. So thank mm. you for that question. Well, this is writes, how do community colleges compete with other universities for teaching faculty? What motivates the professors to teach at community college given the higher pay and prestige at other universities? Oh, this this is this is a problem, and I know many of our colleges experience it, particularly when you're looking at disciplines that are hard to fill. Uh, for example, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math uh, in the Central Valley. Uh, you know, these are, you know, real problems in our rural communities to be able to attract uh, faculty who have a master's or a PhD. Um, there are some examples of work that we're trying to scale up. One is called Grow Your Own Faculty. And uh, what what this program, the, the, um, the framework of this program is to identify students at our universities that are involved, that are students in a master's or a doctoral program, and then invite them to apply for faculty internship programs within community colleges. So that, you know, the example that I'm aware of is a one-year program, and this master's or PhD student now becomes a fellow or an intern in the community college they partner up with a community college faculty and then are immersed uh, team teaching in those classes. So they, they get experience in teaching students the pedagogy that is necessary within the discipline that they're getting their uh, postgraduate uh, degree. So it is programs like this that we focus on growing your own, that, that are place-based, that are going to be our, our uh, solution. We're talking with Sonia Christian, Chancellor of the California Community Colleges. Christian was previously the current Community College District Chancellor, and before that was the president of Bakersfield College. And we're hearing from Bakersfield listeners as well. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go next to caller Diane in Oakland. Diane, thanks for waiting. You're on. Oh, oh hi, Dr. Christian. This is Diane Doucette with Project 2030. It's great to hear your voice. Um, as you know, Project 2030 works on policies to address the climate crisis. And one, I want to thank you very much for the leadership you've shown on this issue. I know when you were at uh, the Chancellor at Kern Community College, 
district, um, you worked really hard to get the students and faculty engaged in efforts to address the crisis, and you often provided testimony at the legislature. I'm hoping that you're going to continue to those efforts at the state level. Um, so I have two questions. Could you say a little bit more about what climate actions are included in Vision 20? And two, how could all the environmental groups in California help support this work? There are so many groups that are reaching out to young people to get them engaged. And I think you could find some really great partnerships there. Diane, thanks. Yeah, Diane, good to hear from you. Thank you for your call. Um, I, I am very committed to this work, and you can see in Vision 2030 that it strongly calls out uh, climate action. We, we are calling it the four fields of climate practice in this particular document. Uh, the first field is related to, uh, to workforce, uh, definitely. And um, the, the kind of proactive work in the workforce, it's actually workforce and economic development because we believe that community colleges cannot wait for industry to deploy its newer technologies in the market and then come to community colleges and ask community colleges to engage. We believe that it's too late at that time. We want to be partners with industry partners at the time they're conceiving of new technologies in the laboratory, in a theoretical sense, in the laboratory setting, because we are the conduit to connect with the community. We know that any kind of technological deployment has an impact, has an impact on our environment, has an impact on the health and well-being of our communities. So the role of community, community colleges to be that trusted partner of the communities is something that we are putting out as one of the fields of climate practice um, uh, so that we can have the difficult conversations that need to be had and, and find solutions that um, uh, have that the implications are well understood in advance of the deployment. Um, we are um, also looking at a very basic level at all of our curriculum when it goes through its um, regular review process. How do we build curriculum, not only in the sciences, but also in the arts and humanities that has a sensibility about impact on the world that we live in. So that's something we're moving as well. Uh, we are looking for partners um, and um, we are talking to the University of California, for example. Uh, we are working with national labs and basically um, wherever you are involved and I know you're involved in some really great innovative work, remember your California Community College because we would love to be a partner in this important work. Well, listener Hal writes, how does the chance view the place of online learning classes in the broader context of Vision 2030? Gotten quite a few questions about online learning okay. and how much online, the system will yeah. lean into it. Online is absolutely here to stay. The work that we're doing right now is to make sure that we have the support systems for our students to keep up with the courses that we're offering on online and the programs. We want to make sure that we are leading in with equity so that some students are not left behind in this modality of instruction. System-wide, we are setting up an infrastructure called um, 
CVCOEI. Now, please don't ask me what that stands for, but it's uh, really expanding the use of open educational resources as well as the online um, availability to students. And by creating a repository of colleges offering their courses within this larger database. If a student, for example, lives in um, at the coast and are not is not able to get a, a class at their local community college, they can participate via online, maybe from a community college that's located in San Diego. So it really opens up access to all of our students. There's a lot of work happening there and the courses are gonna be much more engaging with support as we build out the infrastructure and the professional development that goes with it. Well, this is writes. Community college changed my life. I was a high school dropout. I started community college at age 35 to become a nurse. Eventually, I obtained a graduate degree in nursing and enjoyed a rewarding career. Being educated has enriched my life in so many ways. I became a better parent and citizen, and I'll never forget one of my professors who encouraged our class to listen to NPR. <laughs> my life is forever changed because of community college. I see the worlds colliding here. Another listener writes... After going through UC Berkeley and UC Santa Cruz for a liberal arts degree, I enrolled at our local community college to get the basic science classes that I needed to pursue a graduate degree in winemaking. There I found the instructors to be very committed and personal in their approaches to education. Well, Chancellor Christian, I certainly hope that your goals for increasing enrollment, increasing transfers um, and successful transfers and degree completion and so on uh, definitely come to pass, as I know that's also very much tied to resources and also your goals for accessibility. I do appreciate you being on with us today and, and sharing your time with our listeners and answering their questions. Thanks so much, Mina. It's been truly an honor to be on your show. Thank you. You know, one thing that we do compete with is this question of the value of a higher education these days. And I think that uh, a lot of our listeners with their experiences shared that. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Susie Britton, for producing today's segment. And thank you, Sonia Christian, 11th Permanent Chancellor of the California Community Colleges. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, President of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.